All right, we are live. Andrea worked out her technical difficulties, and we are all here right now. So it wasn't should... even technical difficulties. I just didn't know how to switch my, my from my husband's Google account to mine. <laughs> any any Google account, any Google account would have been fine. So oh well, it had to be mine. Well, here here we are, and. Um, we, I should make a mention how this, um, Andrea and I were chatting the other day and, and she said, you know, Paul, I've never been on your channel. And I was thinking, she says, you have posted conversations that we had on my channel, on your channel, but I've never been on your channel. And what that meant to me is that, that you and I have never done a Rando's conversation. Correct. Yeah. Which is really interesting because. Very soon after I posted my first video about Jordan Peterson, you sent me an email and I answered you. And then it was a while later that you said, I sent you an email. And then I was like, did I answer you? And she said, yes. I said, oh, good. So so today we are going to make up for that, um, that deficiency. And I thought we would do a Randall's conversation, which is really funny because... Um, Back in the in the the OG days of the Bridges of Meaning Discord, um, Andrea was very much a staple there, and she was doing all sorts of other conversations on her channel and lining things up. And she has her her stuff she does on Twitter. So um, in this corner, many many people already know her, but I thought we needed the canonical the canonical conversation about. Andrea's life. I need so, to turn my light down. Sorry. That's okay. I'm too bright. I'm just too bright. You see, you see, the problem is when you talk to a YouTuber, they're they're paying attention to all of their stuff. Uh, is, this, is the lighting right? Is the sound right? Is the, you know, usually with randos, it's like just whatever in the back with a Zoom call and off we go. So I know I'm too, I'm too picky. Um, well, you know, actually, the funny thing is over the over the I don't know, years, I mentioned about how I have, I'm like, oh, I, I, I want to be on your channel someday after we recorded. And you're like, oh, you got to get in line. Did I say that? I'm sorry. So No, so no, I laughed. I thought it was funny. Like it was, it was, you're like, you got to, those spots, they go. So good luck. They do. It's, it's so hard because either you sort of have a line or you jump the line and then so anyway well, so I we are... just had you on like I just had you on mine oh. and so I think that you were like well I'm gonna kind of kind of put you on my channel anyway like you were gonna post it yeah so I feel like it was maybe bad timing when I brought that up oh. but but it's fine I'm not here well, to make you feel bad we're fixing it today we're fixing it today so let's begin you live in Canada um Many people know I'm you. wearing my Canadian colors accidentally. I didn't mean to. <laughs> um, many people know you as a Canadian, but you were not born in Canada. I I was though. My mother's American. Oh, okay. All right. And she's American, and, and she very much never became Canadian as long as she lived here. So I grew up and, and my father passed away when I was 10 months old. So I, I was raised by an American mother and was closer to her family who lived in the States and who still live in the States. 
Um, my mom has since passed away um, in my early 20s. She passed away. Um, but I, I very much was raised in that, like I didn't, yeah, I just very much had an American identity in the midst of Canada. So and I always parents, loved it. How Americans. did your parents meet? Oh, so there is this tiny town. It's um, called Three Hills, Alberta. And it is the home of Prairie Bible Institute. And it's one of the old, old school um, institutes <laughs> from back in the day. It's kind of like um, Moody Bible Institute. Do you know that one? Um, so like, I know that that's in the state. So it's our, it's, it's very traditional. I don't know how it is now, but is, yeah, it, it's a, uh, they both came from quite traditional backgrounds and, but she was um, a, a teacher and my dad was a student, an older mm -hmm. student, but still she oh, was. Oh, your uh, mother was teaching at yeah. the, at the, at the school Hills by, um, at the yeah. Bible Institute. And my dad was a student, but he was an older student. I think that she was 36 and he was 30 when they got married. So. Wow. Yeah. So, well, let's, let's wind this back a little bit more. Um, where did she grow up and how did she become a teacher at the Prairie Bible Institute? So she was born in Susanville, California, but oh, that's not too far from here. Yeah. Yeah. I have a quite a bit of family who live around, around your area. Um, and, but they moved my, my dad or my dad, my, her dad, my grandpa, um, he met my grandma in Monterey, California. Um, I believe he was stationed there um, post World World War. Okay. So um, I'm my age. Like my grandparents are um, from the 40s. My mom grew up in and graduated from high school in the 60s. Um, so I'm about a generation removed from what most people are. Like my mom was born in 1947. Whereas most people's parents would have been born in the '60s, like most of the people who I I know that are my age. Oh, okay. um, so anyway, so they they moved um, after the war. They got married. My grandma and grandpa, my mom's parents, they and they moved to um, Arizona to Casa Grande, and they were uh, cotton farmers. And uh, yeah, and they and my mom grew up there and stayed there and. Um, very rural, very rural because Susanville's high desert. I mean, even today, yeah. except for the prison up at Susanville, there's not a lot up there. Yeah. Well, I don't even know why they were there. Like they were quite, I think that they were quite poor at the very beginning, yeah. but, but I mean, you know, then there's all these, you know, there's these stories, you know, the family stories there that they, yeah. they did pretty well when they're farming his family business. Then there was the bankruptcy. And then they had to, then he became a manager of another person's cotton farm. And, but then the parents, his parents moved away to start somewhere else. And my grandma was so happy that they moved, the in-laws moved away. And she, <laughs> she embraced the bring bankruptcy <laughs> because she was like, yes, I'm finally free of these controlling Haynes's. The last name was Haynes. Anyway. So they clearly so. went to church. Yes. Oh, yeah. So you asked me how she ended up um, coming up here. So she, yeah, they did. And I believe it was an aunt and uncle who didn't have kids, but they, um, and they wanted to pay anyone who wanted to go to Prairie Bible Institute where they went, they would pay for their like nieces and nephews to go. So I believe an aunt, a, a, my great aunt and uncle, so her aunt and uncle paid for her to go. And then she, um, 
she went there, graduated, um, went over to Oregon, did some five-day club stuff, VBS, uh, Vacation Bible School stuff there for a couple years, then um, moved back to Three Hills and became a teacher there. They weren't really called professors there. They were just teachers, I guess, at, at the time. Um, and and then met my dad and then they were got married and then he passed away two years later and she had my my sister and me um for 10 months before he passed away so okay and she i mean if she was 36 when they married she she was 38 when she had my sister and me yeah wow so yeah oh we're twin i'm a twin but we don't look alike we're fraternal but you've you've posted some some pictures of you and your sister on on when when you were young on twitter and they're yeah yeah, we don't look anything alike. She's blonde and fair. And so, so what was it? What was it like um, growing up? I mean, your father passed away before you can remember him. Correct. So he actually ha- was was a twin. He was an identical twin. So I know I have these like little like hmm, interesting things. Yeah. There's no genetic anything because he was identical. I'm fraternal, just happenstance. Yeah. Yeah. But so he and so I remember him. I remember my father's brother, but he unfortunately committed suicide when I was seven. So that's sad. A I have a lot of sadness. It sounds very sad. There's a lot of tragedy in this story. Yeah. I like to think it made me. I've always um, I, I've always had a strange. Paradox of. Naivete alongside of of like old hardship you know it's sort of a weird mix of both where I'm, I'm kind of an old soul who's rather naive i like to think i'm not as naive as i once was but i've had yeah i had a lot of very difficult things um at an early age um but it, it was life that's the thing you don't think wow my life is so difficult no. Good for me. Like, I don't go around, you know, thinking that. Well, so your mother and you and your twin, this was your family growing up. Did she was did she continue to teach there or were you no. around extended family? No. See, we weren't really. No, my they're all in the States. My dad's family were, mission, they're all missionary kids. He was, his parents were missionaries in Bolivia. He was one of nine. My mom was one of six. So he was, my dad was one of nine and they were, that was, they're weird. No offense to them. They're, they were different. They were not friendly. Um, They grew up like in the bush in Bolivia with mean school teachers. And also I believe, I don't know my, those grandparents very well. They've passed away long, long time ago. But um, I believe my dad's dad was abusive um verbally for sure and I think that he may have hit the older ones I'm not sure so they were just like they were not well adjusted in in what I would say that's what I would I would call them weird when I was young not to their faces but (laughs) I would just think it but uh, as an adult I'm like oh yeah they were not adjusted super well to society so I wasn't they lived around in the area but we weren't really close with them um so we were always close to my family in the states and we would always drive down and hang out there. What did your mother do while you were growing up for a living? So she, because of my dad, my dad, so she got like a, the way that situation happened is she was able to receive a widow's pension. Mm-hmm. And she, um, 
I think because of him dying in a crash. I feel like this is really boring. I'm sorry. This is not boring at all. <laughs> okay. Um, she received uh, like a settlement just because of, you know, you get insurance from being whatever. And she, um, there's a really, like, there's such a, it's like a sad little fairy tale. So the poor sweet widow went to the Royal Bank of Canada and there was a kind investor man that they connected her with who usually deals in high end bazillions of dollars. And he took her on as an account and found some really good low risk mutual funds type investments for her. And um, so she was able to, and she was, she's one of those, again, children, uh, she was a boomer, but child of depression parents who knew how to save. And so only buying things on sales, like flyers day was Sunday. Um, and so she did, she was, she didn't really work, work until we were actually like, just and we found um, a housing cooperative where it's, it was sort of like you could go on a subsidy. And so that was made it uh, available so that she was not completely breaking the bank for paying rent. And, um, and so she didn't really start work. I think she became, uh, we, when, when my sister and I were getting a little bit older and we were in junior high, she started uh, supplementing her um, living with uh, doing some housekeeping stuff, but very like very low, um, it wasn't very often. It was a couple times from some friends from church. So it wasn't like a full-time gig, but she just, she managed to live off of what she, uh, just those different things that she got from what she had, for what she had left to her and what the Canadian and Alberta government gave. Like they're pretty generous with widows, to be honest. <laughs> so there's an orphan's benefit and there's a widow's pension. Wow. So Canada's pretty good, good. in that It's bet you were better off in Canada than Susanville or Arizona, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I, I People ask, like, why didn't your mom move back? And I I asked her that once. And the saddest thing is I can't remember what she said. Oh. <laughs> yeah. But. But, now, but now your father, um, one of nine missionary kids, your mother taught in a Bible college, um, super religious background, super religious roots. Um, mm -hmm. kind of American evangelical Baptist. Abs oh, right. Southern Baptist. My mom grew up so full, full on Southern Baptist, you know, where like, instead of the, uh, like the, you know, the sheet with the, the unclean animals coming down, like for us, it would be the, not us, but like her, her, my, my, that side of the family, it would be like a, a bar coming down <laughs> and, and then drink up, <laughs> you know, like that's, that would be that, that's, that's like died in the wall, as they say, you know, sort of staunch Southern Baptist. So we didn't, much... we didn't attend Southern Baptist uh, churches up here, but okay. we, I think it was a, it is non-denominational. It used to be brethren, but okay. I, I, she, she wasn't married to that, that denomination. And she never anything. remarried. No, she told me she did not want to take care of another man. Smart woman. So. I've had my father wasn't my father wasn't cold, and my mother says I'm not taking care of another man. I happily took care of your father, but I'm not take care. Of there seems man. to be this is certain. If she was older anyway. Yeah, yeah you know, being yeah. 36, like I'm 37. Yeah. So I I would have been married a year if I was my mom. My oldest just turned 11. Yeah. So yeah. very different. I've been married almost 30. Like I oh, know I've been married 13 years. So. 
it's very a very different different yeah. life that she had. So, what was church involvement like uh, growing up for you and your sister? I'm so not used to going into the background. Like, I'm like, where's the topic that we're talking about, Paul? You are the topic. <laughs> this is so. This is a so random conversation. You asked for this, and you're I did. It now. I just, oh, I'm so like, <laughs> oh, but like they want to get to the meat, and this is just like, oh, boring. No, okay, no, okay. No, this is. What was church life like? Okay, so I really enjoyed, uh, when youth group came around, like always went to church. Youth group group came around. I got really interested in that. Um, really enjoyed that. Was a youth leader also after. Um, when were you baptized? I was seven. Okay. My sister and I both were. We were the youngest to ever have been baptized. Were you very precocious in terms of? It was, well, it was more my mom just was like, oh, well, believers get baptized. So you're, you're believe seven. We've been Old a believer enough. since we were three. So let's get get going, you know. Um, I was quieter growing up. My sister was the one who was more talkative. And so she would, you know, when I was young, she would uh, talk for me, not all the time, but sometimes. So I didn't start becoming more outgoing till I was in junior high. Okay. So uh, you get baptized at seven and you're active in youth group. Mm -hmm. And um, was that, was that all positive for you? Yeah, I, I'd say I, um, I, I, I had good friends out more outside of the youth group, to be honest, like from school. But I would say I just really enjoyed being in a position where I could. Um, I'm sorry, I'm thinking of me being a youth leader. But I so I suppose during I, I enjoy. Oh, you know what it was? The youth events were really freeing for me in mm. a way because there's a lot of dressing up. And I wasn't allowed to go out for Halloween because it was of the devil, mm -hmm. according to my mother, even though mm -hmm. it technically has Catholic roots and was just all seeing state. Eve. Well, if and the I Pope wish... is the Antichrist, of course, Halloween. Is I mean, of the devil. well, anyway, <laughs> I've always been salty about not being allowed to dress up and go out for Halloween. But we had like literally my but like, mind you, she she would make me costumes for the youth events. Like I still have the Frodo outfit that she made me. She, I still have the cape. I still have the the thrifted blouse, the thrifted silk blouse that I used. She made me a uh, she made me the cape. She made me the vest. When I and we found a blouse that would, would fit a Frodo esque. Even though I, I'm tall, I should have been more of an elf. But I had short I had short hair at the time, so I was like, oh well, I guess I'm Hobbit. And uh, yeah, we did. It was like an adventure heroes night or something. And I'm like, well, I am gonna be my hero. Frodo Baggins. When did you first read Tolkien? So the I read The Hobbit in grade seven for for school. Um, my mom was like, "Oh, Andrea, you'll love The Lord of the Rings. It just describes such rich land and architecture, and just the rolling hill." And I was like, "Oh my goodness, that sounds so boring." Is what that did to me. Thanks, mom. So I wasn't interested. She told me I should read it, but I was like, oh, this sounds really boring. No, thanks. And um, and then the movie Fellowship of the Ring comes out in a grade 10 for me. And so it came out every, it's so a grade 10, 11, 12. It came out every, you know, year. And I was, I was like, mom, you 
completely undersold this and gave me the wrong explanation and description of why I would like it. But I do, did. It's like, oh, but you're right. So I do. So I started, and I read all of them after I watched the first movie and okay. went multiple times and was obsessed. Um, now, Canada is a lot more secular than the United States. What What was it like? So being active in church and then also going to a public high school, um, did was did church feel sort of normal as part of the package as a teenager, or did it feel weird and sort of outside the life of your friends hmm. in high school? No, a little. I, I went to a Christian school, um, oh, a Christian okay. private school, until I was in grade six. Okay. Um, but it was quite expensive, and so my mom couldn't afford it after grade six, so we went to the local junior high. And I honestly, I was, I, I was like, oh, the, the desks don't match. That's weird. You know, like that was my first, I remember, impression. Um, and also I hadn't, I was so sheltered. I hadn't even heard anyone be called a loser, let alone all of the swearing and whatever that I was exposed to. But I was like, oh, look, there's a world I didn't know about. So, I mean, it was very, it was secular in the sense that, yeah, like the kids were just like swore a lot like for, for what I was used to. Um, but I didn't feel there, there was a community church. Like I didn't go to the community church, but like, it wasn't odd to be like, oh yeah, I go to church. It's like, oh, okay. You know, there were also a lot of Mormons in my school, especially in high school, not as much in junior high, but a little bit. And there were a lot of uh, Muslims and there was a lot of Sikhs and people are, there, it was quite a mix. And so I didn't feel like yeah, it wasn't a thing. It didn't feel that. And also Alberta, where I live, is it's pretty conservative. It's like I'd say probably the most conservative province in all of Canada. Yeah. So it's not yeah. as secular as 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 you know, maybe the East. Okay. So you you went to church all through high school voluntarily? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, voluntarily. Did... I didn't really I didn't really know I could not go. Like it okay. wasn't really okay. I it was, you know, you know, my yep. sister no. and I, we were obedient girls and yep. we just yep. Did as we were told. All right. What happens after high school graduation? Oh, I go away to Scotland. Oh. I live there for around six months. Okay. With uh, Youth with a Mission, YWAM. Oh. They have a leadership school called uh, DTS or yep. Discipleship Training uh, Discipleship School. Training yeah. school. Yeah. Yeah. I went and did that. And the funniest thing. YWAM and, DTS shows up in various places yeah. in the PVK Randall's archives. Yeah, They're I know. There. Yeah. So I, but my sister and I both chose, I mean, they're all around the world, but yeah. we, both, we both independently chose Scotland because my aunt lived there as a missionary, but then she moved back and it was like, oh, she's not there anymore. Oh, well, we're still going. So she, my sister and I went at different times. She went for the first half of the year and then I went the second half. And I remember going for a walk, and this is just showing, showing the growth of, uh, and also just the, uh, what is it, the 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 pride of youth. I was I remember going for a walk with my mom, and she was like, "What do you think you'll learn? Like, what are you looking to learn when you're there?" And I was like, "Well, like I know a lot." So, and I'm 19, I'm 18 or 19. Like I know a lot. I mean, I I like I don't expect them to teach me a lot because I know a lot about the Bible, Mom. You've taught me well. She was very like 
into her Bible and very much teaching us, you know, baptized at seven, saved at three, you know, had that, whatever. And, and I, yeah, I just was like, I don't know. I don't know how much they can, you know, teach me, but like, we'll, well tell see. me about the, tell me about the, the wild. Oh, I learned, yeah. oh, I learned so much. It was so insane. Like, well, I just learned how much I didn't know. Hmm. Um, I learned how, like, just how different other people are in the sense of like living with other people and, you know, people needing personal space. I was like, why? Just why do you need that? I didn't feel like I needed that. I do now. But young me was like, but just being with people all the time is wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> Such oh, an extrovert. extrovert. Yeah, that's right. Such an extrovert. Such an extrovert. Yes. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, so I, I, we started off in a small town called West Kilbride and we were in a gigantic, beautiful old manor that was turned into a base. It used to be a Freemason house. Um, and they, anyways, yeah, so that was great. I did the, the lecture phase there, learned, just learned a lot of cool stuff and, and then went to, um, you always go somewhere else. And so we did local right. ministry, like some, some went to India, some stayed, um, my group ended up staying and, um, there were two other Canadians in my group, a guy and a gal, and they were both actually from BC. Um, and so I ended up being in is the Canadian group and then the rest, then the other couple of Europeans that were in our group. And so we went up to the North of Scotland to Inverness area. And, um, we stayed in caravans as they call it. it I mean, it's technically a, a, tra a trailer, trailer, but it's, it, but it's, it's like a vacation caravan park. Okay. okay. And we were overlooking Ben Nevis and that was cool. And, and so you're doing evangelism. Doing evangelism. Oh, doing slave labor. Like I, yeah. I remember re meeting up with an, a friend, the one of the guy, the Canadian guy, um, like a, a couple years ago now, but like, you know, years since and, and he was like, oh, the guy who ran the caravan park, he absolutely used us for slave labor there. Because <laughs> we're like, we're here to volunteer. What can we do to help around the, where we live? Oh, well, here's some weeding. And were those, some... were those, was, was that, were those good years for you? It was a good year. Yeah, that was a good, it was a very good way of me getting out. And like, I, I was so afraid to go out for, on my own. It was good for me to literally fly across the world and have to yeah. find my way. Yeah. Um. And and I I mean I I'm meaning literally finding my way. I'm horrible right. with directions. Oh. <laughs> so I I I that is a huge fear. Uh -huh. Like I'm like I how am I? And I didn't have a phone. Yeah. 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 I, like. No, I, yeah. <laughs> so I, I remember life before cell phones. Yeah. There's yeah, no, there's so it no was phone. Terrifying. You have to find your way and yeah. Nobody, Nobody was self-conscious because they didn't have a phone because nobody had a phone. So yeah. Um, so, but it was good. It was growth. A lot of growth for me. That in that I was nine, I turned nineteen just like days before I, I I left. So, so when you think when you think it. back on yourself now, um, and you think back about the faith you had then, what 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 was it like? It was. I remember speaking with people who had a different view of, say, uh, not necessarily predestination, but um, I specifically have a memory speaking with someone, one of the teachers who came in to lecture, and 
he was saying, oh, well, I don't think that God knows how things will happen in the future. I think he has a tentative plan, but I don't think he knows how, how things will turn out. And it, it made me so uncomfortable and upset. He knows? What are you saying? He knows what's going to happen? Why are you saying these things? You know? I feel like, God, I'm not listening. Not listening. You know? So, like, I, it made me feel so upset and inside and, mm. and, like, on shaky ground. And, like, I can't, like, it's like I can't. So my faith was one that you are not of a part. I can't be part of a community if you don't agree with what I've been taught. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was fragile, but it was, it, I mean, but, but uh, fragile yet persistent. Okay. Okay. So after YWAM, you spent a year doing that? Yeah. Well, no, no, six months. And then I think I, I worked the first six months. Okay. of being out of school out of high okay. school and then i went away and then i came back and went to university for four years okay what'd you study i have a bachelor of arts degree in christian studies with a minor in history what university did you go to it's called ambrose university it used to be an alliance it's it used to be alliance university sorry alliance university college and they mixed with the nazarene university college and then they just call themselves Ambrose University. Where, where is it? No. Where's it located? It's in Calgary. It's just in where okay. I, I live. Okay. Okay. And uh, what was your what was your faith like in college? It had grown a bit sturdier. Um, you know, being exposed to a different way of thinking helped me to see I'm okay still, and it's okay to disagree. I had a, a friend in in university who I actually knew in high school, but we weren't, we weren't really friends then. But um, so he went to, ended up at the same university as me. And, um, and, and he, I remember it stuck in my head once and he, him saying, you know, it's okay if we disagree, that's okay. And I was like, right. Yeah. Okay. And then I was like, I will, I believe that. And I've kind of stuck with that ever since. Okay. Okay. Um, when did you meet your husband? I met him at Church Young Adults. Oh. Yeah, when I know. You were in college? Yeah, yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I went to the Church Young Adults College and Career, whatever it's called, um, at my church as like, you know, I'm a youth leader, but there's the same, same old, same old of the people who were there. And there's a few, there was, it was a different crowd who went to the, the College and Career Young Adult group. So I, I started going there and I met him and I, we were just friends. And I just remember him being, oh, good, it's Josh. I can talk with him because all the rest of the guys are just like the worst because they're so bad at asking questions. And I just get tired of having to manage these boys who don't know how to talk to people. Um, no offense, but like, you know, it's like you can only talk about the weather. And what do you do for work? Oh, or, or are you in school? Do you like that? okay like they like and then me giving and just oh you know josh was good at asking me questions and asking me i mean i was good at asking him questions too but he really stood out to me as someone who who was just like oh good i can relax and it it flows it, it flows well i don't have to be on my toes and be worried i hate pauses i hate awkward pauses so how long so, did you date i had nine months oh wow oh my god well 
more like a year if you count our engagement. We got engaged after nine months. Okay. So yeah, he had to lock that down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, Paul, so like, were you on. were you married in college then, or did you wait till after? I, I graduated. So I, I so let's see, October of 20, 2008 okay. is when we started dating. Okay. I graduated in April of 2009, okay. and then we were married January of 2010. Okay. And I think, I don't know if I told, I think I maybe told you this, the very first date we ever had, I, did I tell you this? I, I told him that. near the end of the date when it was time to pay, uh-huh. I was like, Okay, so, and I totally don't agree with this way of thinking anymore. Oh, my goodness. I've very much changed in this. But I'm like, hey, so, like, just so you know, I date for a marriage. So, don't know if that's Was he the first man you told that to? Uh, No. No. (laughs) But, well, that's not true. Like, I I was in high school, though. Okay. Like, I was in high school. And it was like, oh, I can't date for marriage. I'm in high school. Come on, me. So, So you were. Yeah. So, he was the first. He was the first actual date i went on post high school that okay you might as much as i might pretend and might make it seem i men men were not beating down my door (laughs) they they were not i i was very forward about what i thought i'm tall i'm five foot ten and i am not the at, at my university the I was not the sweet pastor's wife <laughs> okay. that the the fellas might be looking for. But anyway, but you know, so he's the first prospective actual husband that I was even decided to. I didn't know if it was a date. I thought he was doing a friends thing, and then I was like, I don't know if this is a date, but just so you know, this is what you're getting with me. <laughs> I don't. I didn't want to waste my time, Paul. I didn't want to waste my time. I don't like, I'm someone who like very much would be devastated if I was like, okay, I'm going to invest in you. I'm going to give you my heart. I didn't want to even kind of try a little without him knowing because I didn't want to waste my time. Yep. 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 And he was like, okay. Now you often mention that you're 5'10". Yeah. But how do you feel about being 5'10"? I I love it. I love being tall. (laughs) Okay. I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed it. Except, I mean, I've, I've always felt like I'm not allowed to wear heels because of it. So, which is odd. It's this odd double feeling of I like being tall, even though, like, I'm, I am the tallest usually of, a, of my friend group. Most of the time, there's a, maybe one or two friends who are maybe 5'11 or the same height, um, which is very weird to be like, hi, friend. That's a girl and taller than me but most of the yeah i'm usually the tallest one and and so that's fine it's nice i like it but also i've i also received so many negative comments even if it's joking about oh you shouldn't be allowed to wear heels you're already too tall and so i just those sort of things kind of when you're young they kind of go to heart and it's like oh okay i guess i won't wear the big tall heels so um what, then, what what question is that? What 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 made you? I, I was that? just curious. You often mentioned being tall, and and you mentioned it with respect to guys weren't beating down the door because you're tall, and I know you know with I mean some guys prefer some of the some of the biggest guys prefer tiny tiny women, 
um, which is really an interesting thing. And um, well, most women want to have a man be taller yes. than her. Yes. And so I'm. I kind of put it on. I I sound like I'm blaming the the Bible school young men for I'm like oh like you jerks like you weren't interested in because I was too intimidating to you. But what it <laughs> what it much of it probably is like I I would want to I always would would have wanted to have someone taller than me at least by a few like Josh is just two inches taller than me. He's six feet. <laughs> And so that's a nice differential. My wife some, said comes right up to here. So, okay. Well, like <laughs> it's not quite that. It's like, it's like, Oh, hi. You're just like a tiny bit taller than me. And if I wear heels, it's like, hi, we're the same height, but, but it's enough. It's enough. And, and that already, it, it whittles down the dating pool quite a bit when you're a certain height. It just does. So not all it, the time, but like just, just, just from people's proclivities, you know? So you have three boys. I do. And their ages are? So my oldest is 11. And then my middle guy is nine. And my youngest turns seven in one month. All right. All right. So that's a, that's a, those are wonderful ages. And that's a wonderful spread. And having three boys. And yep. it's interesting because you grew up in a household, your mother and your sister and you. And so yeah. now you're in a household where you're the only woman. Full of testosterone. Full I testosterone. never in a million years would have ever guessed that this is what it would have been for me. Okay. I always imagined having girls and like maybe one boy. Yeah. So how, um, how did being a mother and a wife, um, cause you know, I'm sort of leading up to the, the email that you sent me, mm. um, and, and did your you own find it? Do you remember? It? I, I didn't, I was looking for it while I was waiting for you to figure out your, your tech issues, but I didn't, I didn't find it. Um, no, I can find it sometime. But it's, um, but I'm glad, just glad I responded. So, you know, at some point, at some point we're going to land in where, you know, why it was that you, well, let's shoot, how are we going to get here? Um, so it sounds like, I mean, the whole growing up trajectory, very Christian background, I mean, intergenerationally Christian parents, missionaries, and for for a lot of people, maybe who are not from, let's say, especially Southern Baptist roots, missionaries for Southern Baptist are elites. You know, pastors oh. and missionaries are like, you know, if someone's going to be a missionary, that's like, you know, that's in that hierarchy. That's about as high as it gets. And I didn't so know you... that, Paul. Really? No. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, I, I I grew up, but not in it, but not really in it. Like okay. hearing of it a little, okay. but not. And you did, yeah. you did YWAM, you did a DTS. Um, I mean, you did all of these things and then you go to, um, you go to a, you know, a religious, a religious college, a religious university to get your degree. You mm -hmm. meet your husband in church. Um, and oh, then. Oh, I found the email, by the way. Oh, did you? Yeah. Anyway. Oh. Um, I'm curious. You want to read it right now? Do you want to sure. finish your sum up? No, no, no. Okay. Cause that's where I'm trying to get to. Oh, okay. Okay. So, cause this is how many years, how many years after, um, what, what, when see, was the date on the July email? 25th, 2019. Okay. So okay. I joined Twitter 
2018, June, okay. 2018. Okay. And I, the year before that in 2017, I watched for a summer, I watched nothing but Jordan Peterson's um, biblical series. Okay. Like let's, I stopped let's watching start television. there then. Yeah. How on earth did you find Jordan Peterson's biblical series and okay. why did it fascinate you? Because my sister sent me clips, not oh. of that, but of him. It's when he, it's when that one interviewer and I, and I can't remember his name asked him point blank. This is one of the earliest times. Like, do you oh, yeah. believe in God? Yeah. Like I believe that Jordan Peterson I, in his office with the dirty his office. Yeah, yeah. I act as if God exists sort of answer. And right. And then she she wrote. I why think this guy's a Christian. And then she wrote, "Oh no, never mind." Why she did just likes finding clips? She just thought oh. it was interesting. She she thought it was, she's interested. She's become a counselor actually in the time she's uh, was interested in psychology and 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 is a counselor now. Has her master's in counseling, and so she's just always been interested in in psych in psych in psychology and stuff. And she's never dipped her toe in this little corner though. I've never. No, seen no, she doesn't go. She doesn't do the online stuff really. Not really. Um, but I mean, I tell her about it, but she was the one who, who sent him to me Okay. and I was like, Oh, what's this? And then she was like, Oh yeah. He talks about having this biblical series. And then I was like, Oh, and then I watched the clip she sent me about where he talks about like, I'm going to like, look into it. Sorry. I'm fixing my hair. I, I'm so distracted by seeing myself. I usually make it so I can't see myself when I'm recording anyway. Sorry. So yeah, I was like, Oh, I got to look this up and Oh, look, lo and behold, they're all out. All 12 of those lectures were out when I had looked in 2017. So I watched all of them and it really like, I had been a mother for a number of years and I hadn't done academic thought in a long time. And I really missed it. I loved school. Like I did a degree without any hope of having any kind of uh, like career. I just wanted to learn. I wanted to know and I, and I took things that I was interested in, not because I wanted to use it as a vocation, because I wanted to know the things she wants and to know. I did. Yeah. I was insatiable. My curiosity. That's, that's why, that's why I uh, ended up doing my podcast. Cause I'm just like, I need to know things. So anyway, so this, this reignited that, that like sort of thirst for the, the academic, you know, um, and the, the different type way of thinking. And, um, but it also impacted your faith. So it did, it did. So at first it was like, oh, look at these interesting things. And I haven't thought of things in this way. Look at the way he, so the way that he kind of melded the evolutionary psychology of our human species and then put it together with, um, themes and symbols from, the scripture and looking at the, like, you know, he took it seriously. Like he actually took it seriously. He wasn't on one side or the other of like the creationism versus evolution debate, you know? And so it was refreshing, but it also made me confused because, you know, when we get to where man sins, he, I remember rewatching it and trying to understand and he didn't give much insight because he's like, and I don't know why it was a bad thing for them to take the fruit, to be honest. And you know, it seems almost like it was good. Like I think he even says something along those lines. And I and I listened to another lecture of his on his podcast. And so, and and where he actually does bring up, well, St. Augustine does say that it's for the 
so that then, you know, the, the love of God can be shown through Christ or something like that. So, but that wasn't good enough. And I, I was lost in that, in the space where he lays out all of these evolutionary sort of tells that show up in our symbols of ancient peoples, you know, the ripe fruit and the, they looked at it and it was good for food. It was red, they, it was not red, but you know, it was, it was looked good. It was, it was, oh, look, our color ability to see in color are not in black and white. And, and oh, the symbol, what the snake means to our, you know, chimpanzee and bonobo brethren, <laughs> you know, and, and what, all these different, I'm not, you know, sorry, you can watch his stuff. Like there's all these things. And be, to be clear, I'm talking about early Peterson. I, I wasn't interested in any of the politics. It's all, all this stuff. Right. So I can, I can read, I'll read it. So because um, I had already started doing my podcast by now, I started in February um, of 2019. Hmm. Um, and I and I, I've spoke to you about this before, and I, I've mentioned it on my podcast. And I guess I've had him on. I uh, that uh, Benjamin Boyce was the one who yep. really helped me to get started technically, even and helping me sort of learn how to use Final Cut Pro to to put together episodes and whatnot. So I start off. Um, why did you do a podcast? What? Why? What? Why did you do a podcast? I mean, you do a lot on social media. I mean, I you do. do kind of period photography. I do vintage is, clothing. Yeah, yeah, I vintage clothing, and you know, it's very interesting when you do these pictures that are sort of you know some from the forties or something. And yeah, I mean, it's a it's a fascinating thing. And so, I mean, your your boys are your you know you get into this once your boys start getting into school. Um, your husband was studying. Um, you know, to get his, to get his degree, mm -hmm. um, in computer science. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you didn't, I don't, I don't get the sense that you got into this necessarily to make a lot of money or anything. I got the sense that you got into this as sort of in some ways, how I got into it sort of as a way of learning and exploring. Actively. I it's a mix of, I wanted to participate. I didn't want to just be a viewer. Mm. I wanted to participate. I wanted want to, break to be that fourth wall as Grim Grizz says, right? Yeah. I wanted to be part of it. And I, you know, I, I very much, I'm like, Oh, I, I'm like, everyone's losing their jobs left and right. Well, I don't have to worry about it. Cause I'm a stay at home mom. And you know, I, again, I didn't really understand that there's, this is a slice that you're being shown on social media and not yeah. to say that people have lost their jobs. I don't want to minimize that, yeah. but it's also not quite as left and right as I thought it was, but yeah. I just thought it would be a different type of voice. Like I thought it actually, I, I actually, I very much am like, Oh, well, who, why would people want to, listen to me. I, I never had any sort of hope to, or desire to do a YouTube channel in the past. Yeah. But, but I thought, I think I'm a different demographic who's in, yeah. I'm, I'm a mother of yeah. three. Yeah. My children were quite, quite a bit younger at the yep. time. Yeah. And I thought it'd be an interesting perspective. Yeah. So and there's oh, a so, lot of mommy YouTube out there, but your YouTube isn't mommy. YouTube. No, no, and it's not at all. And there are other women who are not mommy YouTube interested. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So not to say that that's a bad thing. No, no. You know, like no. I watch, I love watching, you know, like fashion and style videos and looking into like vintage style and all those things. And that's very 
that's a very feminine space within YouTube. Even though YouTube is, I know, mostly male dominated, yep. but I yep. explore the, the feminine sides of YouTube. But yep. I am very much in a space of discussing ideas and understanding and wanting to know. Um, and so here's okay, so I'll I'll, I'll read. Um, I saw you on Benjamin Boyce and you seemed I didn't think there was anybody who would I haven't read this by the way since I sent it to you. Um, I didn't think there was anybody who would understand it without being like, is Andrea questioning her faith? And is she like now moving away from God and being tempted by those atheists? And like I I just didn't think anyone I, I didn't want to be setting off alarm bells. Mm-hmm. Um and but I also just wanted someone who would understand where I'm coming from, from the space I'm coming from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was in a space where surrounded by scientists, surrounded by scholars who I had on my channel, who were just really seemed very like they knew the things and and they had the answers as to why, oh, you know, people just need to have a narrative to have something to have meaning. And and that's what we do. We make this. We made it up, you know, all this yeah. stuff. So I'll get to the, I'll, I'll read this. And so I, I saw you on Benjamin Boyce and I was like, I want to, I want to talk to you. So good for me taking initiative, by the way. Good for you. Like I, I, I look at this and I'm like, man, I don't usually write people. <laughs> so like, I'm like, I'm glad I took initiative here because it's, it's been, the fruits have been good, Paul. Um, so I wrote, hi, Paul. I saw your latest episode with Benjamin Boyce. I'm friends with Ben and can tell that he really respects you. I've been looking for someone who understands faith along the teachings espoused by Peterson. Really, the idea of archetypes espoused by Jung. I have been going on a spiritual journey over the past few years, and I've been having trouble reconciling my faith with what I have learned about the need for people to have narratives. I listened to all of Peterson's biblical lectures, and I have been learning about the importance of myth and story to human societies. So funny! I'm my my YouTube channel is now 100 yeah. percent based. Isn't on that narrative. interesting? Isn't that? Interesting? I I saw this back then, yeah. and I yeah. just took a long path to get to focus yeah. on it 100 percent on my channel now. Yeah. Anyways, back to the what I was saying. Um, the importance of myth and story in two human societies. I took theory of religion in school, but always viewed it from within my Christian worldview. Now I believe I am seeing these theories after taking a step back. And from what it seems, the idea that we need stories that are our own is all that matters. It's not about one being more correct or one being more correct than the other. Humans need meaning. And we have made that meaning over thousands of years with our narratives. But then I have this faith that says only one is correct. And I have many scientist friends on Twitter saying you must pursue the evidence without the answer in mind first. And I feel like I do have the answer in mind first, that Jesus is the answer. Is it that we evolved to make meaning out of stories, which caused social cohesion so we continue to create meaning with our stories? Or was it that we were created to need meaning because the only one who can fill this meaning meaning need is God? I've always believed the latter, but I find it difficult to now, sorry, I find it difficult to know how to articulate why this is more true than the former. Or can they both be true? Thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate this. Always curious, Andrea. How do you feel about that letter now? 
Where are you I, at with respect am, to that letter? I can't believe how much I actually remembered because I basically said all those things, but I just said it quick, more quickly yeah. in my little, my little, little uh, email. I was feeling so many things. Like I can read this without feeling the same. Mm -hmm. I can read it without feeling the angst and the anguish and the, mm -hmm. I, I was in a dark night of the soul at the time I wrote you. Mm -hmm. I was in such a dark place because I felt so torn with modernity and, oh, well, we know better. We know why we have stories because it's just what we need as evolutionary, evolutionarily. That's what humans came to need and was vital for our survival. And that's why we, that's why they, it matters. That's why we need meaning because look at how it, we have th thrived as a society. So we just continue on what has worked in the past. And, and it, it, I just didn't, I didn't have, I was having a sort of binary this or that. Mm -hmm. And um, I also was having almost more of a 2d perspective. Mm -hmm. And, and I did, I felt, and I, after I can look back going through that time and I had this, it's like calluses were growing on my, on my view to what was beyond and mm. like, like, like I, I, the scales were growing mm. to that materialistic way of, of looking at the world and the worldview. And I was very limited. It was, it was limiting me. And I knew I was missing things because I knew, and I also knew that I can't put God in a box. So I'm sort of having this double thing of, I might be wrong about some things and I don't have all the answers and God maybe isn't what I think he is. And I'm also not having a view of him anymore because I'm, I'm being bogged down by the callousness of mm. the materialistic, um, naturalistic scientific worldview. And so I was sort of like, but I, but I also knew that it was, not bad what was happening but i was frustrated and feeling so confused um because i also knew that it was good like this is good to remove god from my box that he was mm -hmm. in like to, to allow him to be like he's he's if he's infinite then my finite box cannot contain him mm -hmm. but as that was happening i'm feeling far away mm -hmm. from him um he's feeling bigger and bigger and i'm feeling more overgrown with mm. materialism mm. And i don't mean it in like the material like stuff you know i'm yeah, sorry yeah, with, with, yeah. with yeah scientism type stuff so did did peterson address this process or did peterson provoke this process he provoked it and then i sorted it out basically first you your email helped me um, do you want me to re read your reply? Or do you sure, wanna... I'm kind of curious what I wrote. Okay, so first I'll read what you wrote me. Then I'll give you the answer of how I got out of the dark night. Okay. Got How I've made my way through to the light. So, thanks, Andrea, for your note. I love Ben's heart and tenacity he brings to his work. You ask good and hard questions. I'll see if I can be helpful. Meaning seems to be both something we find or discover in the world and something we contribute to. See 
or project into the world. We make meaning and we discover meaning. And you're right, that narrative is a big part of it. It is, I think, our operating system. Ben had a conversation with John Verbeke where Verbeke noted that in many ways, we are that autobiography you know to be you. I think in many ways, this is one of the best understandings of what our soul is. We are stories that are embodied. One of the questions I'm fascinated by recently is what sort of stories we are. We are not like stories in a book made up of words. Oh no, I'm getting emotional. Ah, dang it, Paul. I was fine for my email and now yours is... Um, so we are not like stories in a book made up of words. We are stories in flesh made up of action. So actually, there's a lot more, but okay. I didn't I didn't even need the rest because mm -hmm. that was the part for me. Mm -hmm. That was the thing that I needed to hear. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll send it to you um, so you can read the rest. But OK, but that was the that was the thing. And, and so after see, reading that. I knew about Jonathan Peugeot, mm -hmm. but I, I dove in like I dove in to his symbol symbolism and symbolic mm -hmm. world. And I, it honestly, that being embodied and a participation, that participation mm -hmm. um, with symbolism, participating in, in story mm -hmm. and, and Christ coming, becoming may being made flesh and dwelling among us, mm -hmm. participating thus mm -hmm. in the story of humanity that is what opened my eyes and like broke through the crust that was um, growing over top of my symbolic eye, you mm -hmm. could say. And it, I like, it was, it was very much like in, I didn't even think of it, but like the, that chrysalis that was forming, mm -hmm. like I, like I emerged another person. Hmm. and someone who is okay to question and to be wrong. Mm -hmm. I had cultivated that a lot, but mm -hmm. in my, in the past, but, but even more so. Mm -hmm. And someone who is in a space to find out who I am in my new understanding of, of what it means to participate in the human story with the divine and knowing that there's so much more than what we see and our perception in mo our modern way of seeing the world, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that is where my YouTube channel took its turn mm -hmm. towards story, towards meaning. Cause I wanted to look at it from the outside in. I didn't want to start as a Christian. Mm -hmm. I wanted to start with like, well, how do we find our meaning as human beings? Mm -hmm. What makes us, what gives our why, mm -hmm. you know, he who has a why can bear anyhow. Mm -hmm. And so I just, I, I, there's a, there's a shift in me. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, but I was still curious. I was still looking to understand and to learn and to have experts, mm -hmm. you know, in their different areas on my channel. But I moved away from the scientist experts mm -hmm. and the, what's going on in the intellectual dark web space and mm -hmm. in freedom of speech type space. And like, I was mm -hmm. kind of into that. But I moved more, way, way, way more into like meaning and 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 why people 
choose what they do for their meaning and and such. So your channel has so when you know for a long time you were doing conversation type things on your channel mm -hmm. and you had me and Jonathan Peugeot, you had David Fuller, yeah. you had Justin Brierley. I mean you had, you had, you you went out and, and got a bunch of interesting people. You had oh um oh, who's that guy that you and I spoke to a couple of times? Um I can't think of his name right now. What which guy? Oh oh I only I only connected him with him through and we're talking about talking about we're we're talking about talking to uh Chris, Chris Cavanaugh? Cavanaugh? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'll be fun. Oh, I'm very much hoping that'll work out. I'm yeah, I I'd like to get into some things. Anyway. Um <laughs> Okay, that was an aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you've you've transformed your channel quite a bit now. You're doing something very different with your channel. I have. So there, there. It's always been a journey. So I've I started off with like a weird title that nobody understood, and so I scrapped it um, of what I used to call. So I, I changed. I just decided to call my YouTube channel Andrew with the Bangs because that's me. Right. Like right. I'm Andrew with the Bangs. Right. My my podcast is called She Wonders Why, and it's always been. I'm looking. I'm like sorting out what what am I, 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 I just want to know what the things are. And like, I, I need to look into what's going on with um, the world as I see it, as I understand it. And whatever sparks my interest, I want to pursue that lead and to, 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 to bring understanding to like, what are we doing here? Why am I here? What, you know, usually in that meaning space. And so that's why I sort of have that broad but specific enough title like she wonders why and then andrew with the bangs so because it's just very much me and what i'm like moving through in my life so i i really looked into the meaning thing and narrative and understanding that and i also at the same time started looking into femininity mm -hmm. and understanding who i am as a woman um and how i partake in like say the divine feminine and so oh yeah that's my that's my channel. And so I, so Paul, I like being growing up without a, a father, you know, I, I missed a lot. I missed a lot of understanding like what it means to be a woman um, who is like loved by a father figure, mm. you know, um, and my mom did this the best she can and the best mm -hmm. she could. But mm -hmm. there's a lot of questions where I didn't understand. I did not understand what I had. Like, I didn't understand what, like, I just was, so, like, I was 33 coming onto Twitter and I had no idea. I, the world of men, I was married even, I had no concept. I was a little fawn among the wolves. You make me think of that song from Sound of Music, I am 16 going on 17. I, I know, and it's so sad that I was in my 30s, <laughs> I was in my early 30s. But I didn't. Like, uh, I didn't go out and party. I'm almost though. sixty. Like, I still don't know a world of. I still can't figure out women. So. But I well, um. I I was I was such a I was such, sounds so horrible to say. I was such a good girl. I didn't go out and rebel. I didn't go and and partake and learn. What is this world of men? Do you, regre do you regret men? that? No, not really. You shouldn't regret it. No, I I know I, too many people who did and re yeah. and have regrets. I, I know mean. how I know how fragile my little heart is. And it would have been absolutely ripped to shreds. I, I know it. I know it would have. And I just I didn't know, like I didn't know the power of and I'm not I'm not 
saying this in a way that in these sort of identity politics sort of like power i'm not looking to to say like and then fem, the feminine being more powerful than the masculine that's not the space i'm going in. but what what i what i mean is i didn't understand the power of femininity i didn't understand that the the like like you know the the flame the the like the depths of the flame of like womanhood that I embodied, I didn't understand. I didn't understand its effect on men. I didn't understand what I had. I didn't understand. I'm just, I'm like, I'm old now. So like, whatever, <laughs> like I'm, I'm close to 40. It's, 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 I've, I've, I understood it. And then as, as my youth is, is, is now gone, I, I understood it at the end. That's fine. That's fine. I'm, I'm, did you see I'm, Peters? Did you see Peterson and um, and Louise Perry? I I've watched Louise Perry. Uh, I watched her on Modern Wisdom. You should see with Peterson and Louise Perry on Maiden and Mother and Matron. Yeah. Oh, um, I I do know those different. I've talked with uh, Nicholas Kotar about the 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 feminine the fe the heroine's journey. Oh, okay. And, and so he talked. We talked about those different roles. Okay. And, um, and so, yeah, and I, I am, I, I am, so I'm, I've, you know, I've, I was a mom in my twenties and in my, into my thirties and I, but I, yet I was still so naive and unknowing. And like, again, I, and I, I'm trying to embrace, I, and I sound like, I don't want to sound too regretful. I'm okay that I didn't use my femininity for bad. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know. Well, that's evil. good. But no, I know. But like, what I mean is, like, I didn't. Andrea, Andrea used her femininity for evil. Okay, I, I didn't understand. I even could. I didn't even understand that I had any capacity to do such a thing. Well, blessed are you. But it's important to know, yeah, your arsenal of weapons, and know that, like, I am purposefully keeping these, these away because I know. And I understand. I, you know, so, <laughs> is that it is? You should know. People need to know. And I needed to know. I needed to understand. I, and I knew I was missing it. I've always been the kid who wanted to understand the reference in the in the kids show. Like I, I, I said this to you in the past. Like when I was watching Animaniacs, and I I wanted to know the adult references that I knew were there, and I knew I didn't understand it. And it was over my head, but I saw that it was over my head and I knew that I didn't get it. So I, I'm, I just, I'm someone who needs to know. And I, and that's what I was pursuing. And I think that's what a lot of my vintage fashion yeah. has been part of is, is exploring my femininity and understanding what is the feminine and what am I participating in that I didn't even know what I was participating in. Yeah. And so, so those are things that I, I was looking into narrative and I was looking into like where the feminine also um, the place it holds within narrative, like what's my part of the story? You know those sorts of things, and so now I actually have come to a point where I, I would I I have learned enough to know that I don't know everything about these subjects because I I you know much I, I've made this joke to you before much like Socrates I know what I don't know, <laughs> but I've known I've learned enough 
Wow, I just sounded so ridiculously hubristic and prideful there. Oh, well, that happens. Um, it, it's okay. I, I'm allowed. <laughs> we all slip into hubris at one time or another in our lives. But I now know that I've, I know enough about these subjects that I can start talking about them as if I have a measure of authority on them. Like I've, I've lived out um, and that's part of the discord. Uh, the, the, the part of the discord has, has helped me grow in understanding femininity as something to be participated in. Um, and not, you can't, you can't just talk about it. That's not something that you will ever learn what it is through speech. You have to do, it has to be participated in. And so um, the ladies who did the knitting club over on Bridges of Meaning, learning to not only um, um, knit, like they taught me to knit, but just learning these ancient, participating in these ancient textile arts of, you know, my my feminine ancestors, you know, and 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 then and then chat in the group about such things and and wherever. And so I lived, like that's the part of this whole thing is like I not only spoke and learned, I lived these things. And so that's where I'm, I come up with my very prideful sounding comment. I've done enough that I now can share what I've learned. Okay. And so that's where I have my, my channel is now is I am looking into the films of our time. Um, are the narratives of our time, what we participate in our stories, the stories we tell about ourselves and how we see ourselves. And, um, and so now my, I do interviews still, but I'm, I'm focusing around cinema and television. And, you know, I can also do just a, a general like chat about story. That's my chat with Nicholas Kotar about the, uh, the heroine's journey. Like it doesn't have to be about a movie necessarily, but I am wanting to have a bit more of a focus and hone in on our modern narratives, which is film, and the feminine within these. So not exclusively, but um, looking at, you know, like, for example, I look at um, Galadriel, according to Tolkien, and somewhat Peter Jackson, and um, Galadriel, according to Rings of Power. I yeah. compare and I, well, I, I can't compare them. I contrast them. Okay. So, you know, that's an example of one of the things I've looked into from my new sort of rearranged, rebranded channel. So, yeah. Okay. And what's church life for you now? Oh, Paul, this is going to be so long now. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay. Why'd you bring that up? Okay. So I've been, I mean, I've been going to church. That's what but... I always talk to people about. It's coming I know. No it's just, it it brings up so much more. So I've been going to church, like I tell you, know, obviously during COVID, I, I didn't go and you were my, you might, you were my online pastor during COVID. <laughs> I appreciated that. So, but now I've been going to church and I have been participating. We joined a small group and we, we go. However, I've been very torn because, um, like I have a number of friends, um, both online and offline who are Orthodox. And I've been, um, you know, participating in the symbolic world. Um, there's a lot of Orthodox people there with Jonathan Peugeot and listening to the Lord of Spirits um, podcast. And, you know, even uh, I've been um, connecting with, you know, Richard Rowland. And he has um, some people in his circle um, that I've connected with there. 
And um, look, one of the guys I had on to talk about Tolkien, actually, um, I've connected with his wife through Facebook. Um, his name's Reno Loro, and he uh, has a, a degree or a, a bachelor in all oh, words, a PhD in um, understanding uh, Tolkien in our modern context and uh, mythopoeic something in the modern age and uh, people um, escaping into such things and um, and why that's good. Um, hyper-realities within the modern, well, yeah, it's mythopoeia in the modern age and then escaping hyper-realities. Anyways, um, I memorized that for the, the, the chat I had with him. Anyways, so, and so I've been chatting with his wife and so they're Orthodox and she's been telling me a little bit about where they're coming from in, in choosing orthodoxy. And so, but I mean, my husband is like, I don't know nothing about orthodoxy and the orthodox world. And it's a big deal. And you don't just do it lightly. You don't convert lightly. And I have to, I'm just trying to think, is it strong enough? Can I not be a Christian and a, within Protestantism and just be like, yeah, don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. Don't agree with that. There's so many things about in our Protestant worldview that I am so done with and so frustrated with because it's just, I grew up in such a space of, and this is the right way. This is the right way to do it. And I think it's so. It's, the Orthodox don't say this is the right way to do it. I know they it. do. I know, but they submit, <laughs> at least you submit, at least you submit to church authority. I go to a non-denominational church. They have no authority, but. I suppose the elders and God and the Bible. Sorry, you right. The Bible that, in my opinion, since can sometimes be lifted up a little bit too much, in my opinion. With the, they get they get squirrely about icons. Well, we, my friends, have our own icon, and it is called the Bible. We, you can you can lift it up and worship it to a point. You can allow yourself. The same way you can allow yourself to have a stop sign at the icon and just look at that rather than looking at where it points to. I'm not saying the Bible is an idol. I'm saying people can stop looking where it's pointing to and look at it like it's a, it's a signpost. It's pointing up. It's pointing at, at God. So and, you'd, and, you'd, yeah. you'd be a very good Protestant if you chose orthodoxy. I know. And that's why I have not converted because I'm like my, like I, okay, Paul, you have hit on the thing that I've, that's why I don't, I've not converted because I'm like, I'm literally doing Protestantism in my very conversion because I, I would be, oh, my own personal beliefs are in conflict. And so I am being drawn to what I think is right over on the orthodox space <laughs> and so this is i am so so you bring up church and i'm like oh no because i am so i've not see this is my my conflict now and i am so torn because you know i i do i feel like i i feel like i'm okay to stay right now but like i i literally was christmas eve my pastor whose name is also paul he says Okay, I'd like to do the Jesus prayer without saying I'd like to do the Jesus prayer. You know, for anyone who's not part of normally part of our congregation and who's come to participate in the Christmas Eve service, 
because that's what you do Christmas and Easter, you know, not so many words. And he like literally, I was like, oh, great. Let's say some magic words. And then he literally prayed. Now, these are not magic words. And I was like, God, what are you trying to tell me? So, so I, so my cynic, my cynicism, my cynical words were said back to me in the very prayer that the, the pastor was trying to, 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 to convey to any potential new believers, you know? So I'm torn after, I mean, after reading Tom Holland's Dominion, Tom, if you're listening, I'm still waiting to, uh, hear back from you. <laughs> As if he's an hour and 16 minutes into this. You know, in the Freddie and Paul show, we're always calling out to, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg. And so yeah. Tom Holland, you know. Anyway, um, but he, anywho, he's always so quick to be like, I'm so sorry, Andrea. I'm busy right he's, now, but please very, get back to me. He's a very nice man. He's very Tom quick Holland. to get back to me very when nice he's man. busy. I know, but when he's like available, I I'm bad at follow up emails. I try to give people space, and it's like a month. Like, oh, I should have done a two week one. Anyway, anyway, but so after reading Dominion, I was like, yeah, yeah, what you described, I, I understand. I understand the Protestant way of thinking. It's it it slivers off and it slivers off and it slivers off. That's its weakness. Is it is very much. It's 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 centered around protestation yeah. rather than we are united it's like we're united in our protest did you did you see my recent video on the um on the autodidacts no i haven't I'll you should it. you should watch that one because it very much pertains to exactly what you're talking about and i really want to it was sam it was sam that really uh hit on that mm -hmm. and um and of course sam is brilliant and you know it's so fun. I'm you know I just kind of keep I put a I put the I put the chat over in another um in another screen so it's not right next to me because if I that would really be distracting. But um it's just amazing the the number of people that are from that from that OG BOM group that are still with us and mm -hmm. um when and really still very much a part of this conversation. Well, before we, uh, my thinking of to do a live stream is that I, I would at some point turn on the chat again. On my I forgot side. that people would be commenting. They are. <laughs> how many, walking. oh my goodness, how many people have I offended about Protestantism? I am one of you. Okay. I, I, I don't know that you've offended, offended anyone in this little corner okay. because I think this, uh, a big part of this whole, of, our corner of this little corner is exactly what you just laid out here. Okay. And Luke, why I got Luke was just screaming to get Luke was just screaming to jump in, but um, we'll, we'll keep Luke <laughs> at bay for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> and before before we before we open it up to uh, to all of the randos in the comments who might want to jump in now, um, anything you wanted to ask me before you know before we get distracted by the um, oh. plurality of voices that rush in. Is there anything I want to ask you? I mean, I've already asked you, like, like if we're going to stay in the same vein, like, I, I've already asked you, like, yeah. why you're well, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to open it up without giving well, you Well, well, okay, you know what, instead of, instead of going, uh, people, I'm happy to continue along this vein, but I'm going to be selfish and look at it. So what do you think? I always send you my little videos because they're really short now. They are. And what do you think of my, my pivot? It's not even that much of a move from what I was already doing, but what do you think of my, 
my my change in, in the channel like what do you think of it now i'm i'm going to tell you exactly what um what i tell my older sister so my older sister also has a youtube channel and her youtube channel's name is ann clay the primitive home but my sister is one of these artists that is so high in openness she is always all over the place and mm -hmm. she recently is pivoting her channel in 10 different directions. And what she didn't realize was that she's got about 16,000 subs and you can't pivot a channel with 16,000 subs without pissing off a lot of people because mm. they come here for primitive home decorating things. And then, um, then suddenly you, you have like these rude little horror movie things that you're making and you want to get into <laughs> ASMR and you want to get into um sleep videos with nature scenes and yeah it's like okay pal paul mine is a little i'm no 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 i, I let me I, okay I, this is all this is all, all getting like up to say i really i really want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing okay because because i think you're doing the right thing and when i listen to you you know, pull, you know, when, as I listen to you work through your story, you like myself, like many others in this little corner, we are, it, we are using YouTube to find each other, to work through our stuff together. And mm -hmm. we're smarter together rather than alone. And, um, you know, a lot of the stuff that Grim Grizz says about this stuff, about being virtually not alone and breaking down the fourth wall and participating, you are doing just that. And I can see with your new videos, it's a very different approach. And so now you're sort of, instead of, you know, going out and getting um, experts or, you know, people out there and mining them for wisdom, which is absolutely fine. It's part of the reason I don't tend to go out uh, and every now and then, if I really want to talk someone, somebody out there, I'll pull them into the channel. I might get Mary Harrington in because mm. what, I, what I usually want from them is, I mean, everybody does the same interviews on YouTube, generally speaking. They're all asking the same questions. All yeah. those questions are sort of sourced from what's going on right now in the zeitgeist, what's the hot thing, and YouTube sort of runs off that energy. But I'm far more interested in people's stories, how they mm. got to where they are now, because oh, that's yeah, hers is super interesting. I mean, from the little bit she's talked about. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I do want to I, I, I have to send her a note and hopefully she'll say yes. Um, but but it kind of freaks people out with authors, especially because they come on and they basically coming on to do their book and their book tour. And it's like, I don't care that much about your book. I want to know what made the book i want to know who you are and so that's mm. why that's nice know, that's why this shape of this conversation which of course anybody who watches my other randos conversation knows because in, in many ways the people people can write wonderful books out there and, and there are amazing books out there but amazing books come from amazing people and the truth is amazing people write mediocre and lousy books too and so if you can actually see the person behind the book you're probably going to see what's even more amazing than the product that they produce mm. so um so i want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because i see it very much as a continual evolution of 
your growth of she wants to know. And now instead of just having um, Jonathan Peugeot or David Fuller or Justin Brierley or Tom Holland, you're, you've listened. And I mean, part of the reason I don't go out there and get a lot of big names is because they're already, you know, why should I redo what Chris Williamson or Jordan Peterson or, you know, why, why should I redo what these other channels are doing? I, I'm glad they're doing it and I can watch the videos because they're asking all the standard questions and every now and then they'll say something. But you're digging into these things and I don't want you to get this. This is what I tell my sister all the time. Don't get discouraged by the numbers. Yeah, no, I, I'm very stagnant. Like my channel is like, been the right. same for yeah, I mean, quite you can see yeah. Critical Drinker. The truth is, <laughs> Critical Drinker's videos, they're just, you know, little, almost randomly segmented things from, I mean, the videos are just distractions. Yeah. He sometimes has, has interesting things to say about it. Um, I really like Dame, Damien from, you know, Izzy and, Izzy and, uh, well, he's, he's way out. He's, he's on the science fiction channel. He does really good videos. And, you know, uh, there's a lot of, there's a, the space you're working is a really crowded space in YouTube land. Yeah. But don't stop. Keep, if, if you find this productive and productive in terms of your heart and your soul, keep making those darn videos and don't, you know, just don't care what the algorithm thinks. Because again, you're not, you're, you're not saying this because I got to feed my children. I need a million subs no, on YouTube. I'm making things that I would have wanted to see when yes, when I was in a, the space I was in a few years ago. Right. Like and, I would have loved to see these things. These and particular that's things. why Lewis wrote Narnia. And that's why Tolkien wrote um, Middle Earth. That is, the, that is the reason to do what you're doing. And so keep, keep at it. Mm. And, I, um, I mean, honestly, thank you. That's very kind of you to say. I, I always appreciate hearing your feedback, and and like I on my comment sections, like are so full of like wonderful, kind people. Like I, so I be, feel very blessed with the the audience I have been able to um, gather, and that I have been blessed with. They're they're, they're really wonderful people. So I I do see the merit of having a smaller channel. I mean, I would, anyone who, any artist who puts together something would like to be seen, but um, I don't look at it as like in business terms. I'm, I'm, at, I'm bad at business anyway, but at business in general, but I, I do see, yeah, I see people connecting. I've connected with some people like uh, other gals like me have contacted me and, I've had connections through the channel and, and, you know, obviously through you and, and Bridges of Meaning, but through the channel, like, you know, people are like, oh, this is something that I've been thinking and like, like, oh, it's glad to see that I'm not crazy. And you, you saw this too, you know, we things like that, you know, and I, I just enjoy to be able to be part of that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, yes. thank you. And thank you for all the kind things. You always have such wonderful, kind things. I want, I want heart. to. To be to put yourself out there in this YouTube space or in the Twitter space is not easy, and there's not enough encouragement for people. And mm. all of the encouragement by the platforms is all in the wrong direction. Mm. There, all of this encouragement is to sell your soul to these platforms and to the mm. world. 
and you're not doing that. So I want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because the truth is you don't need a million people. In fact, a million people would be tremendously distracting because then suddenly you're dealing with this, this sort of cyber monstrosity and you can't distinguish all the voices. Now it brings lots of opportunity. I get that. It can bring lots of money. All of those things are fine, but what we as human beings, we have a very limited number of people that we can actually deal with mm-hmm. and grow to love and get to know, which is why we don't have families. It's why we not don't spawn like fish. We have families of a certain number of children. And the um, you know, the your husband and your sons, and I mean, this is this is where this is where we are designed to flourish. And, and where we make our impact. So I, I do want to I do want to encourage you partly because I also know that in this internet space, you know I <clears throat> I make I make lots of videos and I talk about things that I only know halfway enough about or maybe not even enough. And there are lots of smart people on the internet who have, read way more than I have and remember more than I have and know more than I have and blah, 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 blah. And all of that can lead you to just shut the channel down and tighten up the circle. And I think that's wrong. I think I think if we have a spirit of learning and humility, we can use these tools to actually bless each other and mm. be blessed through them. So I, mm. I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing. And don't you worry a minute about um, you know, my, my poor sister, somebody leaves a negative comment, you know, just, it just impacts her mm-hmm. and, um, it doesn't impact me, um, as much, but I, I get, I get very defensive when people get trollish on the internet. And that's when I get trollish too, because it's like, Hey, don't, don't discourage people from doing the right thing. Hmm. Well, thanks, Paul. Yeah. All right, shall we shall we open it up to these uh these these crazy let him loose let him loose sure all right okay um yeah here comes the link dum da dum da dum <laughs> oh an hour an hour and a half just hit it hit it an hour and a half there's the link oh should I uh no you don't have to do anything okay. People will, uh, people will find their way in here. Yeah, I was actually slow, by the way, because I was there to come into the, I wasn't prepped quickly because not only because I was having the technical issues, um, I was making a, uh, a video about the Oscars last night. Oh, good, good. Just a little one because I didn't watch it and I'm sad I didn't watch it because it actually like, it was good. Like it. The, the good stuff won. And I was like, oh, I missed a good one. I thought yeah, it'd be all, all these, like last year. The Anselman, Anselman writes. I didn't even know Anselman. I, I get, does Anselman have a YouTube studio, a YouTube channel? Holy cow. You know, when I, if I get to, if I get to Scotland, Anselman's definitely a guy I want to, oh, look who's here. Hey, Cass. Long Hi. time no see. Hello. Nice to see you all. Yeah. How you doing, Cassidy? To- Good, how are you? It's Good. funny, I saw you go live and then me and Ferdy had dinner. And so I had to 
double speed so that I could catch up and I caught up right at the end. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> yeah, we're here now. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh man. How how did I how did it go with me talking twice as <laughs> Oh, it's fine. I've I've trained my ears. Oh good. <laughs> no, I, I didn't used to do double speed, but um I have a problem and now I, I need to listen to things double speed because I I feel like there's not enough time. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And so now when I listen to things slow, I'm like, wow, people talk really slow. So, <laughs> All right. Mark LeFevre has a question. What is her favorite interview and favorite topic on her channel? Oh, oh, that's a, oh, thanks, Mark. Hi. Mark always is so he always supports like my vintage fashion and he always likes it on my Instagram and my Twitter. Whenever I share my vintage photos. Thank you, Mark. Appreciate it. I, I see your support. Um, okay, so honestly, my favorite interview, and it actually doesn't take me that much. I had a discussion with Richard Roland about C.S. Lewis's The Discarded Image. Oh. And yeah, I you mentioned me. You 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 emailed me about that and I never followed through. Oh. I don't remember emailing you about it. Yeah. Well, what, what was it about? What you what said? Was I... Richard Rowland wants to talk about C.S. Lewis and discarded oh, image. Oh, right, I... I did. Yeah, you didn't follow through. Oh well, that's, it's not too late. So, so I loved that because I had read the discarded image in the uh, Bridges of Meaning book club, and it was dense. And it's it's not really dense. It's like this. It's like 150 pages, but it's like, oh, this is Oxford professor C.S. Lewis. Because this is not Narnia Aslan Lewis. And I I got it, like air quotes, but I didn't really get it. And so Richard explained it to me in a way I could understand. And it opened my, it helped me to, to see what I'm talking about, having modern eyes versus, say, medieval eyes. And I know I can never actually go back to that, but it, it opened my, he gives such amazing examples about how, you know, when the medieval person looks up into the night sky, it's almost more like they're looking up a top, like, they're at the bottom of, say, a skyscraper looking up, um, whereas we look into the vastness and emptiness of space and feel small. They feel like, oh, look at all the ether and the, the spheres with its music playing and and the the world's just full, it's full. It's basically the night sky is full, but it not in the way that, not in the vast emptiness. It's actually like, it's not empty, it's full. I didn't do a good job. Watch, if you're interested, watch the video. All right. <laughs> but All right. but, it's, but it, it helped me. Okay, here here's another example of why I still remember this. Um, he was saying how, you know, you know the, the, the different like vices of say gluttony or something. He said, you know, we can nowadays say that's not healthy to just like eat whatever you want all the time and just have 10 desserts and whatever. But he's like, you know, the people in the medieval world um, who Lewis is writing about in the discarded image, they would say in gluttony, you deaden your soul to God. And I'm like, what did you just, like, I just, I, it blew me away. The Like, I mean, you could say these words, but like the way, like anyone could say though that phrase, but in the context of me just reading this book and him explaining it to me in a way that I could understand, 
and, uh, and, and giving anecdotes. You know, he gave me little examples like that. Um, it helped me to comprehend how different we see the world now and how, like how, how versus it versus the past. So anyway, thank you for asking Mark. Okay. Thank you, Mark. Bruce, welcome. Hello. How are you guys? Good. Good. Now here's a good, here's a good, anybody can jump in with these two if you want to. As all three ex-missionaries, what still jars about home after all these years? And Cassidy, I mean, you're now, um, you're now living across the pond. Um, yeah. I, the thing that the thing that the thing one of the huge differences I find in the developed world versus, say, the Dominican Republic is the difference between time and money. Um, it, it's in this world. Some people have time, some people have money, and what you can get out of them is one or the other. Getting time out of people who have uh, um, more time than money, um, easy. The other way around, hard. Um, it's it's the values. We, we It's so easy to be completely embedded in the world that you live in. And if you've only lived in one world, it's there's a naivete which which isn't a bad thing, but it's it's a it's a dominant thing. So I don't know if anybody else has a thought. Well, I mean, I, I was never a missionary <laughs> when I when I went and traveled different places, but I have lived in uh, this is my third country I've ever lived in, and then probably my fourth culture I've ever lived in because uh, living in the Bay Area that is a different like you same same country different culture yeah. and uh, it's funny they were all, all all the countries I've lived in are Western yet they're all distinctly different yeah. mm. they all like teach me and shape me in different ways and so this is the first country living in where I don't know the language well mm. I'm learning the language but I wasn't born with the language luckily Dutch people are <laughs> pretty good at speaking English, so yeah. there's, <laughs> there's ways. Some to of them out. really good. <laughs> most of them, it, it makes it hard to learn Dutch because you start stumbling your way around in Dutch, and they just speak to you in English, and you're like, "Okay, we're doing this." Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think uh, there is something about th there's something distinctly different about traveling a lot and embedding yourself in a different culture, because I've traveled a lot, but a lot of my travels have been living year plus in a different country. And it's just a totally different experience yeah. than say even staying six months in a, in a place. Um, and like, I think it's just sort of, I, I think it's broken a lot of my categories of like um, what it is to be human. And like, I think especially living here now, it's kind of, um, it's like shaken me up to understand like, oh, hey, we can we can speak the same language, but we can be also talking past each other in totally different. Like we can be speaking the same common tongue, but different languages. And um, yeah, I think it kind of gets you outside of your head of being so confident in the way that I see the world and everybody knows this. Well, no, no, they don't, even if they speak the same language. That's it's like you just can't you can't live with that confidence as much anymore. And it's mm. like both 
like empowering and exciting and terrifying all at the same time because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're like well how do I how do I ground myself in my world now <laughs> here's a here's an interesting question for you Andrea if you have to use a set of song lyrics to describe you what what is the song oh no I have no idea um huh, oh. I'm so bad with things like this because I'm like, well, I want to get it right. And I don't like to get things wrong. <laughs> um, oh, Paul, can you help me? I don't know. Can anyone help? I don't know. How could I answer that question? I don't for know. You? Uh, I can't I can't answer that question I'm for not, myself. I'm not like a music aficionado. I like no. Okay, like okay, you know what? I'm gonna take this opportunity to explain my music tastes and you can go from there so i don't instead of saying song lyrics so i'm i'm the person who doesn't have one album i have not one album on my playlist i have stuff about mostly stuff from the 40s 50s and 60s and um and it's most mostly like happy-go-lucky doo-wops type songs (laughs) All right. So All right. that's All right. it. That's what it is. It's just like happy go lucky, fun crew 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 cuts from the back. Well, we'll just say okay, you know what? I'll do it. Earth Angel from Back to the Future. That's my that's that's the one I'll go with. And it's not me, it's just how I feel in All right. Life. All right. All right. Well, welcome, Hezzy. Thanks for jumping in. Um Bruce, Hezzy, Cassidy, any of you have questions for Andrea or did you want to put put out a topic or, or uh i'll just say one thing so uh, we i met and you quite a long time ago andrea um on bom okay but, so uh, it's been a while and i recognize your voice more than seeing you. yeah yeah probably it wasn't on camera maybe not <laughs> okay anyway um the the uh, i don't want to open the i don't want to open the can of worms but i remember us saying uh hey we should talk more sometime about biblicism and then I don't think we ever followed up, but I'm I'm very like uh, intrigued. Remember that? I'm scared. What? I don't remember what biblicism even means. Like, do you yeah. mean about turning the Bible into like an idol kind of thing, or? Yeah, or folks that are like no creed but the Bible, right? That's kind of the standard trope, and biblicism sort oh, of okay. gets into a position where um, all teaching comes from the words written in Scripture alone. Anything extra biblical doesn't add or assist in any way what is revealed directly in scripture. Mm. And so anyway, we were speaking about it. And I think at the time I was, I was navigating BOM and I was like, um, how do I navigate these people? Mm. Uh, because I was, I was assuming I was running into a reform server because I found Paul and I ran into a server of ecumen- ecumenical people. <laughs> and, uh, and then they were, I think I was, I was in the Vantillian presuppositionalist world and I was assuming I could utilize these, uh, ideas and discussions. Um, and it's not that they would they don't work or anything, but they just weren't interesting to folks. But you seem to chime in, and I was like, hmm, maybe she has something to say about that. But anyway, that was the, now? the question was the question was just we should we should talk about that, or do you still have feelings about that? I guess no, I do. Okay, so I do. I so this is another reason why I'm like, am I met better suited in orthodoxy versus staying in Protestantism? Because I think that the way that the Bible is taught without even being taught how it came to be, the fact that 
that I did not learn as a kid in Sunday school throughout all my years of being a high, high look, a staunch church going, you know, little lady. I never learned how the Bible was put together. I I, I had to go to Bible school. I had to go to, to, to in university taking Bible classes, learning why this, why, why didn't the shepherd of Hermes get like put in? Why not the Didache? Mm -hmm. You know, like there are, there are books that are perfect, could be perfectly sound doctrine, but they're, they're not there. And it's just basically through church tradition and who had what, um, what books that just refined and refined. And then it got codified at different ecumenical councils. And I, 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 one, I wish that was taught more and two i'm okay with um looking at the harrowing of hell and knowing that this is stuff being described that is happening in hell like from the perspective of of christ coming in all his glory and triumph during the time that he was in the grave i'm i'm okay to look at that and 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 see it for something that can inform me and help me to understand the victory in Christ in a way that I wouldn't have had I not read that. Sorry, I listened to it. I listened to uh, it being read on a podcast, but still. So like, I, I it's not. Af- I don't. I'm not. I'm not afraid of these other books, um, like the Book of Enoch or and and whatnot. Like you know the. So many, so many Dead Sea Scrolls translations, and I know Jacob, you'd know about that. So, like, the, like these books are not bad. I'm okay with looking at them. So, so I, I think that that's something that's that's perhaps needing to be a, a conversation more often within the Protestant Church to um, to look at these other books, not as um, heretical. Because they're not. There are some heretical Gnostic Gospels that, no, th- this is considered heretical by the Orthodox Church. You know, the as far as I know, like the the Gospel of Thomas is not not considered okay. <laughs> it's considered heretical. But there are other books that are not heretical that we can look at and glean um, things from. All so right. that's my long answer. Good. Thank you, Bruce. Any anybody else? Anybody else in here have a question for Andrea, or you wanted to? Um, l- let me just pop in. Um, Sam's. What gives someone the chutzpah to feel like they have to add something to the crowded space of YouTube podcasts? Oh, just just narcissism. <laughs> I, I I think I think that's I think it's not just putting out information. I think it's participating in the conversations. So. Okay, yeah, that was that. That's more. Of, that's a better answer. We'll we'll go with that. Paul. All right, Hezzy was Hezzy was next. What's up, Hezzy? First of all, hello all. Um, I actually have been. I've missed Andrea. She was a lot more. I saw her a lot on uh, Paul's channel back in the day, and uh, so I was very happy to see you over here. If you don't mind me asking. Uh, so Paul and you guys were discussing, rediscussing your own journey. And now you're telling us you know, even your last statement about what you think should be part of the discussion, right? Whether these books uh, should have been included or shouldn't have been included, but on the ground and after a few years of this little corner, 
how do you bring it back home, not just to yourself, but to your kids? Because ultimately now you're, you know, you're the educator. You, you've, you've been out there in the world and this, this relates to the autodidact uh, conversation Paul was talking about, but you're looking now at your children and you could create new guidelines uh, or, or another perimeter sort of where, where you want them to be learning what uh, you misunderstood or where you missed out. So how, how do you take, how do you filter the things you're learning out here and bring it home to them? What are the, what are the, what is the toolkit you're providing them? with? Okay. So the way that it's, it's, you, cause you don't want to just be too preachy at them. Like for, so I, I try to do it in, and when the thing comes up. So the other day um, we were talking about Easter and I, you know, just do these little, like, what is Easter again, guys? It's when Jesus defeats death. And that's something that I've been specifically saying over the past number of years, because I, I, my, my very Protestant answer growing up would have been, oh, it's when Jesus dies on the cross. And and yeah, also rises again, I guess. Or when Jesus dies on the cross, you know? And so I've been, it's just little, but it's just a way of framing it. Like Jesus defeats death. That's a big thing that happens at Easter that I felt was not communicated or highlighted to me growing up. So there, it's it's subtle, small things. It's um, it's being ready when it comes up. The the things um that might be, you know, for example, um, we just finished reading the Lord of the Rings. It took us two and a half years, and we did it. And like I, so I, I was talking about um, the Lady Galadriel and I asked, I was like, hey boys, who does the Lady Galadriel remind you of? And so I listened to a podcast called Amon Sul. It's a Christ and Tolkien podcast. And some of the themes um, found in Tolkien, they, they look, they've looked at um, Mary and her influence on some of Tolkien's characters and Galadriel is one of them and you can see her you can see her helping them in the midst of going on their journey and so I asked them like who does she remind you of guys like when they're almost they're basically like saying uh, prayer you know like help us please you know and then she she comes through and and my son was like she reminds me of Jesus and I was like yeah that, totally like also one could say Jesus mom, Mary as well, you know, being there on the more feminine side, helping them on that side, because she's a lady and Mary's mom or, or Jesus mom is a lady and, and she helped them, you know, and that I see parallels there. And my kids were just confused. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's one that I definitely need to, I clearly didn't explain that one well enough, but I'm just introducing it because that's another one of like Mary. I've changed my perspective on, on her and, and looking at her as um, someone who's has more of a place than that I ever thought that she had. And so the, the, again, as it comes up, I'm just doing my best to see where the gaps were and share them. And, and hopefully if the kids have questions, try to just do my best to navigate that with them. So it's, it's not a lot of things. It's just kind of, just little things that get brought up through life. Yeah. Cassidy, did you have anything you wanted to bring in? I didn't really give you chance to. Um, 
I mean, I didn't have a specific question. I mean, I just find a lot of the topics interesting. And I mean, I, I certainly have a similar journey to Andrea, being a filmmaker, interested in stories, creating um, on YouTube, struggling to figure out <laughs> what that looks like and uh, the ethics of all of those things. Um, not only as like a creator, but like a consumer. Mm -hmm. I love what Andrea said about um, creating things she wished she had seen several years ago or like her past self had seen. Cause I think that's a far better way to engage with creation that's going to lead to something more valuable versus what's going to get clicks and what's going to make you go viral <clears throat> on the YouTube sphere and what everybody's talking about, uh, you know, five minutes ago, like, or, or, you know, five minutes from now. Um, and there's, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of help with that. And I think, um, I'm a millennial and I think a lot of people in our generation, especially in this space, you know, we grew up being told, don't talk about religion, don't talk about politics, you know, you don't want to offend somebody or, you know, ruin a family dinner. <laughs> and then you know, somewhere down the line, you realize, oh, those things are probably very important to talk about. Um, and we have no idea how to talk about them. And then you just get culture war, culture war, all of those things. And so that's, I think it's a really tricky space to be in estuary because in some sense you're talking about similar values or ideas that come around in the broader space, but it really is more aimed at exploration and like giving space to wrestle with those things versus promoting and defending and going to war on those things mm -hmm. on like the grander scale. And like, that, that's a tricky balance. <laughs> Andrea, I'm I'm a little sensitive of time here. We're we're oh. after two hours. I don't know if you have to run or anything. Um, no, I I have some time. Okay, and I I have a little bit of time too. Uh, Jacob, did you have something you wanted to say? I, I he asked in <laughs> great terror. Well, I, I I was gonna kind of blow this conversation up a tiny bit by saying, um, if you don't want to be Protestant in your switch to Eastern Orthodoxy, why aren't you considering Catholicism? I think that Catholicism is a really big part of the problem of the over-masculinization of religion. Even though I know the that the Catholics have Mary, I definitely understand that. But I also see the, uh, I just, Okay, if you've read if you've read Dominion, the themes that I saw there were were it just it, I wish that the Protestants would have reformed the Catholic Church, and I would be happy to stay there if they reformed it. But because because of the way it is now, I kind of just want to skip over and just like go to the east because there's there's a a thing about there's there's a binary of this or that within the West and Catholic, the Catholic church is, is part, very much a large part of the West and Western thinking and modernist humanist thinking all came out of the Catholic church. And yeah. So I, 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 I feel like I just, it could be, I mean, it could be, 
a lack of knowledge about as I, I learned about the Orthodox side of things a little in university. So I know too much about the Catholic church and I don't know enough about the Orthodox church perhaps. So that's, that's the sort of like, I, I might, I might be a little bit self-deprecating there and be like, maybe I just don't know enough about the, the Orthodox church to be like, Oh no, it's the same. But I don't think it's the same. There are things, there's a sort of understanding the mystery of say um, the Eucharist, where it's okay if it's both and, and that's in the East, from what I understand. Whereas in the West, it's sort of it is or it isn't. It's it's just too binary, I think, for me. Then that sounds that's a, a way, way, that's a that's a rough way to say it in these modern times. I'm not talking about gender. I'm just talking about sometimes something can be the same, like 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 both and, and the, the West has a huge problem with handling that. Well, in Catholicism and Orthodoxy are different. Like they're distinct. They are. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know enough to, about the differences, except right. for what I did. The things I described about much of the doctrine in the Catholic Church is this or that. Um, it must be this way, and then the Protestants say it's that way. So, and it's like, as opposed to no, it's the mystery. It's both and. It's we don't need to dissect it and open it up and. Be you know I I feel like the Catholic Church the Catholic Church is Saruman to me. That's what it is. It's 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 the it's like a fool like like the fool foolish is the one who opens the thing to just just find out what it is and how it works or something like that. Um, that's what there's, Gandalf says something like that to Saruman. So I don't know. That's just how I feel about it. There's a spicy take. So. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Luke Luke's been wanting to get into this. For a while now, so Luke, here you are. So the haircut. Yeah, thanks. That's maybe <laughs> not a compliment. Um, oh, I. Judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, no offense to anyone who is part of the Catholic Church. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I well, just listened to what I said. Named it Saruman. No offense. No offense. <laughs> Well, to that point, though, I think I think we ought, I think we need to be able to critique patterns and spirits without everyone latching self identity to that and think that we're univocally uh, like laying that label on every particularity within that unity. I mean, people need to just relax with that, uh, in my opinion. Um, otherwise, how are we going to talk about anything and give our opinions about anything? Um, so, I think. I think it is true. I mean, Sam is popping up in the comments. I agree with a lot of what you said. The way that I've really come to understand it uh, is is the difference between the scholastic mind and the orthodox mind, which is characterized by uh, the phronema of the church, I would say, which is fundamentally... Um, it has a unity, but it allows for multiplicity. So it's not thought policing you. Mm. Whereas I think the West, in its mag magisterium and in its scholasticism, has, and not completely, but it has leaned toward uh, mind colonization, which doesn't mm. allow for you to actually think your own thoughts. Mm. And I think Protestantism is just like the further evolution of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did, you, did you have a question for Andrea? Just some um, thoughts. No, just some thoughts and comments. Otherwise, we'll get to Andrew because I want to get everybody in who, who no, popped no. up into the thread. 
So yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate hearing that because it, it it was a better way of saying it than I said it. So. Did you have a question, Andrew? Um, generally, whenever I watch, I just like popping in, just so you know, I'm not one of those perpetual lurkers. Um, <laughs> you want to play along? Hi, um, but generally, um, I think I can provide the opposite position from Andrea. Like Andrea is thinking about how do I relate this um, theological thinking, this symbolic world to my children. Meanwhile, I am um, coming from the opposite direction. I'm trying to deal with my uh, parents who are, you know, stultified in their materialism and, you know, not going to change their traditions because that's what they grew up with and everything, you know, so. Hmm. Um, okay. Well, thank you, Andrew. Yeah, hmm. My pleasure. All right. Here he is. Hey, um, Sam. Hey, Andrea. So on the theme of rescuing our father from the belly of the whale, oh, okay. <laughs> I feel like one thing I worry about with um, ortho curiosity in this corner is that orthodoxy becomes this unknown box that we just attribute all of our favorite things to because we actually but we catholicism is soramon i can't attribute all my favorite things to catholicism i know too much about it orthodoxy christianity that i know almost nothing about all of my favorite things will get to go in that box and that you create a figment of your imagination that is has a dubious relationship perhaps to the real thing and it's sort of like i don't like my father i'm going to invent a new father that i would like better than my current father and I'll pick him and abandon my own father, which is harder and more difficult than I have the father I have. I'm going to have to rescue this one from the belly of the whale and not the other one. And so I wonder what you make of that as a possible pushback or challenge to some of what you were saying. So everything you just said is exactly why I have not yet converted or pursued conversion because of all the things you just said. Because one, am I putting orthodoxy on a pedestal? Am I just seeing the things that I like and, and not looking into it enough to, to see things that might be more difficult to, to handle? Um, and I, I, I am torn. And that, and it's, it's fine. Like that's okay for a while to be in a space where you're not sure. Like I, I don't, I don't have anything against, like, I almost admire people who have, like, you know, Cassidy, you made that jump over to orthodoxy, and I admire that, and I, a lot of it is to do, with, like, I have, I have my kids, and I'm really afraid they're going to misbehave in the service. <laughs> I know it's, it's just, that's, that, that's a, that's a natural truth, that's just like a, that's a hard, like, well, that's a <laughs> practical truth there. Um, but, but part of, but a huge part of it is my motivation, like all the things you just described, is it, cause it's just too hard to reform and change and not necessarily change, but get back to the roots of what we should be doing, um, which is what Protestantism was in the first place. And I just like, go back to the early church, but I don't know that we can go back. We can't go back. We are now. And I know that that's sort of ironic. Be like, and I want to go to the most traditional form of Christianity, possible the orthodox church is the most unchanging so I, I do see the irony there but 
I, I, that I am very torn because all the things you said have been in my mind and I don't know what to do. So that's right. where I'm at. That's the, right. the hard truth. Okay. We've got 15 minutes. I'm going to shut this down at half past the hour. Um, so free for all, he said in fear and trembling. Has he? <laughs> you had something you want to say? You got to unmute. Andrea, so your response to Sam. I think we all need to feel comfortable standing on, uh, you know, the line to be comfortable with doubt. And in, in, in Maimonides, in the Guide to the Perplexed, he, he basically says that if we push ourselves to try to understand things that are past our understanding, there's a limit to what we could, what we could understand, what we could comprehend. And once we trick ourselves to feel like that we could comprehend more than we actually can, we, we end up fooling ourselves into these false uh, certainties. And Maimonides gives an example of uh, uh, the four that went into, into the mystic world, into the Pardes. And uh, uh, Rabbi Akiva warns them, when you see the pillars of water, do not pronounce, do not proclaim water, water, because you are assuming you understand what you're seeing in these depths. Uh, and I think we, we need to feel comfortable. There's, I would say, according to Maimonides, that to get to perfection, to achieve per perfection is to realize mm. that you're going to be doubtful of certain things. Mm. And I, I think that, you know, the place you're in right now, your response to Sam about that is the reason, that's the exact reason why I'm not, I'm not going down that path. I think it's a challenge, but can you find the place to be comfortable there in that place, in that tension where you are, you know, you're seeking. And, and I think this relates to why you're doing these videos. And Sam asks, like, what's the chutzpah? The idea is that you are constantly challenging yourself and engaging within yourself together with all of us. Uh, but I think it's healthy, ultimately, to feel comfortable with doubt. So I don't know if you have to necessarily rush to do one way or the other, but, but, but be in your space. Mm. I appreciate that. That that's nice to hear people be like, yes, you're okay to doubt. You can be stay there. And I, I do, I, I, that, that's one of the things I do appreciate about being um, part of the Bridges of Meaning community um, is that it's okay to not know the answer and like in my journey of all the YouTubing and stuff that I've done and interviews is it's okay to be in a space where you say I don't know so thank you I mean like you you look at someone like me who did convert to orthodoxy that that was preceded by five six seven years of incredible doubt and wrestling with the mm -hmm. idea of atheism and protestantism and catholicism and all of these things and planting myself in the place where it was like well this is what I think I believe while also challenging those things and, and wrestling with those. And, you know, orthodoxy came in a place where all that started cracking. And I, I have a, <clears throat> I think I have a very, I wouldn't say unique, I guess, but I had been interesting like entrance into that. But like, even, even when I found orthodoxy, like I still poked and prodded for two years. <laughs> like, and I think um, as far as like the orthodox spirit, there is something about like, um, like 
time that they that they're they're really patient <laughs> religion like even when i started going to the catechism classes the first class i went to it was like listen we're here to tell you about orthodoxy but you know the church is always here if you need to go look at catholicism judaism whatever like that, that that's fine you know but you know we're, we're here to help you and bring you in if 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 that's what you want like even even like it was within the month that I was supposed to be chrismated. I said, okay, I talked to my priest and go, I got to like look at Judaism a little bit because <laughs> it's the last little piece. Like I've looked at it, but it's the last little piece I haven't like uh, delved in with like enough seriousness. And if I don't do that before I do this, I, I don't think I'll, I'll feel right. And they're like, great, go do it. <laughs> mm. And so there's that piece. And I, I think that's what I wish I could have seen more when I was a Protestant of that like, trust and like the the exploration of that tension mm. and i i think that's probably what you feel but no i think <laughs> there's something there's something beautiful to like playing with that tension and like staying where you feel like you need to be like mm -hmm. because you don't have that like conviction to move mm -hmm. all hey, right can, can i ask a quick question yeah go ahead um, Matt. <laughs> hey guys Hi. A long time listener, Welcome. first time. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I was, I'm just wondering why, Andrea, um, it's been interesting to hear your, your story. Why are you interested? Uh, why do you pick the word conversion when you're thinking about these different uh, Christian sects? Like, it's, hmm. it's valid that you're using that, but I'm just wondering, what, why are you thinking about it as conversion on the same level as you would because normally people mean a different religion, like True. converting to Buddhism or something, but converting True. to Orthodoxy from Protestantism. I'm just wondering what you're... I, su I suppose it's because that's what I've heard used, um, people use before. And mm -hmm. if you're saying, I'm going to a new church, there's the assumption of that it's another Protestant church, I guess. And so I suppose it's more just being a little bit more direct in showing that there's a there's a marked difference I, but but i i don't know if there's a i wish there was an in between like oh, i'm going i'm attending a new church to i converted to orthodoxy um I, is there an in between word i flowed over to orthodoxy is that a better better way of saying it i'm not sure but that's I mean, a good question good observation I, I think that's what the uh, catechumenate is for, you know, like I'm in this in-between space where I'm exploring orthodoxy and not too sure yet, haven't been baptized. We had, I don't have a date for baptism yet, you know, mm. so, yeah. Well, it, it is weird because it's not just like I went from Baptist to a Calvinist church or, you know, or like a non-denominational church. There is like a whole different culture when you go to something much more high tradition. Mm -hmm. And so that, yeah, the switching church doesn't like qu quite seem like the right word, mm. but, but also like, I understand that tension with the idea of conversion as well. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I don't know what the, the right terminology might be, but conversion seems to be the one that we've clung on to, to have some certain under like common understanding of it. 
maybe don't say uh, conversion yet, you know, because you still have to go through catechumenate and, you know, priest has to get to know you and then you'll get baptized and whatnot. And it, it doesn't end. So, yeah, but, the, it, you know, it's yeah. funny because there's, there's a lot more of like com complexity in the Orthodox faith where like there are some priests that aren't just trying mm -hmm. to get you converted into Orthodoxy, right? Like you look at Nathan Jacobs. The priest tells him, wait till your wife's ready. He waits eight years. Like, that's not something I ever experienced in evangelicalism, right? Like, mm. it's it's like, it's a sort of different mindset. It's not, I, I wouldn't, I mean, I, anybody who's been around Living Stones, no, I'm, I'm not grabbing them and dunking them under no. the water. <laughs> I, Come I here a minute, wham! <laughs> I, I don't mean that. I don't mean that every church, but like, I, I don't know. I think there are, there's like, there is a different pace from it. And like there, again, I was in some churches that were very evangelical and then some that were sort of mild. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I, I don't mean it like they're trying to sneak people in, but I don't know. I, I feel like if a, someone came to a pastor saying, I want to be Protestant, they wouldn't say, oh, wait till your wife is Protestant. They say, you become Protestant, practice the faith and pray for her. As she goes, I don't know. I mean, that, Sam, that's Sam, you're you're wobbling your head, Sam. I don't know. I could imagine different. I mean, Protestantism is just impossible to describe in one word. Yeah. It's not really one thing. It's 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 a label for a bunch of different things, um, and you could get different reactions in a lot of different places. It's the label yeah, it, for the it, dissolution of Christianity. That's what it is. <laughs> It, it does seem like the farther people get away from Protestantism, like the the more monolithic it starts to look. And I think it becomes a catch-all for, uh, similar to what, what's been said about orthodoxy, maybe. Uh, it's like, it's the opposite of smells and bells. It just becomes all these things that we don't find alluring anymore. All, all these like non-romantic features of religion that we want, that we associate with Western modernity, I suppose. And, and that's not, um, uh, the, the contours of, of Protestantism is a lot more varied than I think uh, we want to give it credit for when we're leaving it, I guess. But. I've been saying this for a while and it doesn't really land with anybody but me, but I'm gonna try to say it again. Do it, Jacob. But when, when, when we talk about Protestantism, right, we're talking about those things which we see as unique to being Protestant, right? Those Protestant ideas that uh, the uh, Protestant Reformation brought into the world that have overtaken the Roman Catholic Church and very much so, I would say, Eastern Orthodoxy as we understand it in the United States those may be Protestant things, but that's not what we mean when we talk about Protestants. When we talk about Protestant, we are talking about those things which separate the Protestants from the Catholics in the United States and the Jews in the United States and the Eastern Orthodox in the United States. And the fact is all of us, including the Jews and the Catholics in, in the United States are very, very Protestant. Well, I think, Jacob, my if you saw the video 
it wasn't on navigating patterns. It was actually on this channel, but um, on big P and, and small P Protestantism, where um, I think it was Gavin Ortland and Jordan B. Cooper were talking about, you know, so you have sort of magisterial Protestant churches that are self-intentionally, that are self-identified Protestant, but then you've got all of these churches that are just Protestant by default. And I think, as you say, quite right, Jacob, um, this this cultural, this vast cultural movement that has sort of made everyone Protestant, everyone act like a Protestant in the American church space. You know, when I drive through Stockton, there's this Buddhist church and it's like, um, you know, because here these immigrants came to America and that was the word that they used to do what they did. And it's actually... In American history, almost any religion that came to America had to act like churches, and increasingly the denominations as a such. denomination, not just a church, but a right. denomination, right? Right. Because not even like an old world kind. Yeah. No. So this, um, I, I just can't. Whenever Jacob strokes the cat on his channel, I just think powers. <laughs> 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 This is Shadow. Say hi, Shadow. <laughs> Jacob's familiar. <laughs> oh, well, two minutes. Lightning round. Andrea, I should just give you the floor, Andrea. You you you're the you're the special guest today. Um, oh, I was checking, I was just like totally checking out. Shoot. <laughs> I just See, Andrea, why you wonder you wonder why you're so loved and valued in this community? It's because you are honest and you yeah. are sincere and you are yourself, and that is the gift that you bring. Yeah, yeah. No filters, good times. No yeah. filters. It's you are who you are. So well, I guess thank you. I should say thank you for having me on for and not, you know, making me wait in line for a rando's conversation. I just waited a couple of years. That's all. That's fine. There are people that have waited for longer. <laughs> okay, well then, I guess I'm just one of the privileged. Or Gavin, or Gavin. Yeah, that's right. Andrew is always on my she's like, but you know, Paul, I am your favorite. <laughs> so she another line. Did I say that? Says, oh, yeah, me. you've said oh, it a number of me. times. I'm so direct about things. <laughs> well, thank you all, and um, I wish I could stay longer because, quite frankly, I could very easily do this all day. Like um like my friend Jacob there sometimes he does but uh I have some I have and some I things. will probably be doing in half an hour I'll start to just chat okay so Jacob will be starting will that be on the Randos United channel or on your channel yes <laughs> okay so either place you can you can find Jacob doing his thing chatting preferably on Randos United but my channel is also there. Right. So, so the, so the Randos United channel, the new, now is that the new and revised Randos United channel is where the, do we really, do we still have, do we not have a name for this just chatting phenomenon yet, Jacob? Well, I, so this is the thing. Mo has to take initiative and name stuff. I've, I've been naming stuff too much already, but I think Randos United makes a lot more sense than just chatting. Okay. All right. There it is. So, all right. I'm going to end the transmission. Bye.